All right. Well, my name is Robin Ayler, and we're going to start off in Micah 5.2. Micah was a prophet. He's a contemporary with um, Isaiah, about 800 years before Jesus was born. And here's what Micah said. But you, O Bethlehem, your, your, your Freya, which means Bethlehem, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you shall come forth for me, one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days. So 700 years or 800 years before Jesus was born, this prophecy was made about Bethlehem. Notice how the text indicates that out of something little, will come something big. In this case, from a small town is going to come the king of the universe. God uses little things, little places, untalented people, and people despised and broken to magnify his glory. Why? That's the question we want to try to answer today. Why does God use the small to bring glory to himself. So Jesus was not born big. Well, none of us are. Jesus was born as a baby, but he was born in a small town from a a small broken tribe. That's a tribe of Judah. That tribe was cut off from the the 10 other tribes that were there at the same time. And they became the northern kingdom of Israel. And because of Solomon's sin years ago, uh, they were separated. So Judah was a broken tribe. Jesus came as a humble servant, not as a prideful king. Jesus did not boast in his power for his own glory, grasping for attention, but he set aside the glory that God, that he had before the foundation of the world so that um, and allowed himself to be used and, and spit on and wronged and finally crucified. He was mocked. He allowed that to happen to himself. He became small for God's glory. The king of the universe was born in a manger, a place meant for animals. His birth was first announced not to the world's elite, but to the common working shepherd man. Jesus was not born into a family of nobles, but to a common carpenter. He was possibly mocked as though he was born out of wedlock as a child. We get that, I think, from John 8:41, when Jesus told the people, you are doing the works your father did. They said to him, we were not born of sexual immorality. They might have been insinuating that. We can see a, po- a possible connection in, G- in uh, Psalm 69 as well. Uh, when Jesus, uh, when the Bible says it's about Jesus, that text is, I became a byword to them. I am the talk of those who sit in the gate, and the drunkards make songs about me. And it also talks about his mother in that, in that psalm. Instead of being a declared king on a stallion with an honor guard and a band, Jesus rode a donkey, and the people pronounced him, uh, the common man claimed he was king. So God received glory not only through his only son becoming little and humble, 
But God also uses broken people um, like us when we trust him. It's not something expected in world standards. Why did God use Moses, who first turned God down? He couldn't speak well. And why did he use Gideon, who was a fearful farmer? And why did he use Barak, who followed, uh, who would only go to battle for the Lord if Deborah went with him? And Samson, who seemed to be seeking his own glory his whole, his whole life, until the end of his life, he came to the end of his rope, and his, his hair was cut, and he was tied between two poles, and his eyes were gouged out, and he couldn't rely on the strength that God had given him as a gift anymore. And he had to rely on God, and God got the glory. Um, God gets the glory, not in Samson's strength, but in God's strength, finally. What of Rahab, the harlot, who, who uh, hid the spies in Canaan when, when the, the, uh, God's people took over Jericho? Uh, she, uh, she's mentioned, I believe, in Matthew 1 as one of, the, one of those in the lineage of Jesus as well. So, so why? Why? Why does God use the non-glorious, small, broken people in life? Uh, nearly 100 years before the prophecies were made that we, we started with, um, the prophet Samuel came to, came to um, anointed, actually, the young boy David to be king. He was an unassuming king, the least of his brothers, the smallest, the youngest at the time. Why? And why? When God chose somebody to defeat Goliath, was it this young shepherd? When he, when he chose a weapon, why was it uh, not a sword or a bow or a spear or a javelin, but a slingshot? In a minute, we'll let David answer the question for us. Come on in, Chris. Uh, why was it that David's rule as king, God told him that one of his offspring would sit on his throne and rule over God's people? forever in peace. Of course, we don't know all the mind of God, but here's how David answered that question when he was speaking, uh, when he faced Goliath on the battlefield, 1 Samuel 17. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of of Israel, whom you have defiled. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down, cut off your head, and I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air, to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. That's the answer. God chooses the lowly who trust him for the exaltation of his glory. And that's what the way God wants to use us. That's what we do here. And that's what we call this bragging on Jesus because we need not to brag on ourselves, but to brag on Jesus. Paul, Paul answered it like this, that same question. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being may boast in the presence of God. So that as it is written, let one who, the one who boasts, boast in the, in the Lord. So the one who brags, let him brag on Jesus and, and not to highlight our own self in our life. 
And as Nathan promised King David that uh, in his lineage, Jesus would be born 800 years later in Bethlehem. The angel Gabriel said to Mary in Luke chapter 131, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. So people like Goliath trust their own strength. And uh, people like King Saul uh, defend their own power to, the, to their death. But God makes himself known to sinners who will, will, will stand up for him and trust him. And in closing, I would say, how did Jesus save us? How, how did he save us? Did he, did, he do, uh, did, he, did he raise an army up and conquer Rome? No. He died. He stooped low. God used that, and God justified uh, and, gave, and re- returned his glory to him and raised him from the grave. Uh, so he saved us by dying. He paid the wages of our sin, which is death. Uh, the, Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. So this Christmas, in, instead of thinking about uh, the things we might get or give, we, 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 the free gift of God is the greatest gift that anyone can receive and anyone can share with someone else. Thanks, everybody.